also got a few more recent games under my belt as I watch what goes around the league to start the season. And I just want to say if there was ever a perfect time to become a fan of the NBA, it's right now. You can pretty much make a list of the NBA teams, blindfold yourself, and put your finger on a random team to watch. And I think as long as you don't accidentally pick the Spurs, every other team is going to be fun to watch. So I'm just going to go down the line in order of the standings, right? And just give you like a quick run through, right? Just kind of supporting what I'm saying. So the Bucks have Giannis, obviously, right? The Celtics were just in the finals. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown duo. The Hornets have LaMelo, who's been injured, obviously. But Terry Rozier gets buckets. Gordon Hayward will drop some points, etc. The Cavs now have Donovan Mitchell. The two young bright futures, as well as Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, right? The Wizards are the Bradley Beal, Chris Tapps Porzingis, and Kyle Kuzma show. The Knicks paid Jalen Brunson and are literally banking on him to help them into a positive direction, right? The Cavs, or I'm sorry, the Hawks, they have DeJounte Murray free from the chains of the Spurs. And of course, Trey Young. Uh, the Raptors, they have a whole country behind them. Scotty Barnes was Rookie of the Year. Pascal Siakam continuing to show he's a star. It's a deep team that shares the ball. You know, the Bulls have stars in DeRozan and Zach Levine. They have a rising local Chicago guard, which is Io DeSunmu. It's his second year. Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and Ben Simmons are in a New York market as well for the Nets. The Pistons have Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey as a bright future backcourt. The Sixers obviously have an MVP candidate with Joel Embiid, a former MVP in Harden, a rising star in Tyrese Maxey. The Pacers have potential rookie of the year Ben Matherin with Chris Duarte growing, Tyrese Halliburton showing he has star potential. The Heat are always competing. They have the reigning sixth man of the year in Tyler Hero, who's obviously starter material on any team, and he's been starting for the Heat. Uh, Bam Adebayo chasing Defensive Player of the Year. Jimmy Butler at the helm as the leader of the group. The Magic have the number one overall pick in Paolo Bancaro. Partner with Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr. It's a nice front court. They have some interesting players too, you know, like Mo Bamba and Bol Bol. Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs are kind of unknown futures, but they are skilled players. Um, you go to the West and you have Damian Lillard alongside a potential all-star in Anthony Simons, who's been awesome right? In Portland, Shaden Sharp, obviously, like a secret high school player that didn't play at Kentucky. Looks super promising. Memphis has John Morant, obviously, arguably the most exciting player in the league. The Spurs are probably the only team I'd say isn't fun to watch. Uh, they've started off strong, but I've said that before. It's expected when young teams show up in shape uh, and they beat a lot of, uh, you know, they, they go into a little hot streak, maybe like the first 10 games, um, and then they'll start to fall off. So Utah, obviously, in this category as well, but uh, they do have a bunch of prove-it guys like Colin Sexton, Laurie Markin, and Jordan Clarkson, but they'll come back to earth very soon. You know, Danny Ainge wants Victor Wembanyama, right? Sa same with the Spurs, same with the Pacers, uh, OKC, the Rockets, you know, a lot of those bad teams from last season, um, you know, or, or you know, in Utah's case, obviously, they were a, they were a pretty solid team last season, and then now they're now they're trying to draft Victor Wembanyama. They started off hot, but I'm telling you, that's something that happens often. It happens every year with the young teams. Um, the Suns have that crazy tension, but it's a Chris Paul and Devin Booker team. The Warriors, obviously, a popular team. The Clippers with John Wall's comeback season, Kawhi, Paul George, you know, chasing their first chip in LA, obviously. 
Uh, the Pelicans have potential healthy Zion alongside Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum. The Mavs have obviously Luka Doncic. The Nuggets have an NBA MVP in Jokic. It's a comeback season for Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray. The Timberwolves threw everything for the future out the window for Rudy Gobert and have one of the most exciting young guys in Anthony Edwards. Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns is there. The Rockets have a super-duper young core that's going to lose a lot, but it'll be one of the most fun teams that you'll watch lose, right? Watching Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., uh, Josh Christopher, Jabari Smith Jr. get buckets. It's super fun, even if they lose games by 20. Uh, the Kings, who a lot of people have a lot of stock, including myself, uh, they've started 0-3, but with De'Aaron Fox, Keegan Murray, you know, potential rookie of the year, Damana Sabonis, Mike Brown coaching them, it's also a fun team to watch. You know, the Lakers suck, but they have LeBron, they have Russ and Anthony Davis, right? It's a fun disaster to watch, so that's a team you could watch also. Um, OKC, you know, they have Josh Giddy. Chet Holmgren's obviously hurt, unfortunately, but they have Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Poku's kind of strange and fun to watch. Lou Dort, kind of like a high-energy guy. It's a fun, bad team to watch as well. So, you know, just kind of talking about how how crazy the league is now. You know, there's pretty much a reason for you to watch every team. And in recent memory, it wasn't always like that. You know, there was a lot of teams that you just, you would rather watch commercials all day than watch some of those teams play. But nowadays, there's pretty much a reason to watch every team except maybe the Spurs, right? Um, you could even convince yourself if you like Josh Primo, if you like Keldon Johnson, you know, uh, I'm not sure where Blake Wesley is. I haven't looked on that actually. Um, but anyway, so I watched the Sixers Spurs and I'm recording this today. Um, so obviously this is fresh out of their win against the Pacers, which, ex which was expected. Right. But I watched Sixers Spurs, which I think was on Saturday. Right. Uh, so here's some notes, right. For the stats for Embiid, 40 points, 13 rebounds, two blocks, right. He only took two threes. 12 for 15 from the free throw line, 14 for 25 from the field. So it was a, it was a strong game for Embiid. Um, but just one of those empty stats games for me, uh, James Harden kind of back to earth, you know, averaging out again, his percentages four for 18 from the field, one for six from the three, 12 points, nine rebounds, 12 assists. So we're seeing, you know, Harden kind of average, like balance out his averages, right? I'm not a Harden hater, but you know, he started off ridiculously hot and, you know, I hear from people saying, oh, he looks in shape. He looks much better. He's going to be a star. And I caution people when I say it's the beginning of the season. You know, he's hyped. People are energized. Uh, there's a little bit of a better vibe than there will be in the middle of the season when, you know, when the season starts feeling long for these guys. Um, but yeah, it's already coming sooner, right? Harden's struggling to shoot the ball. Obviously, Harden's not going to defend either. Tyrese Maxey, 25 points in that game, 8 for 18 from the field, 3 for 8 from the three-point line. These are my notes from the Sixers, right? So there's no defense, right, in this game. And I'm talking about Spurs Sixers, right? Not, not Pacers uh, Sixers, right? So they weren't defending. And it's no coincidence that the Spurs beat the Sixers because it's another young team that wants to run up and down the floor. And that's something the Sixers obviously don't look like they want to do. Um, so watching them play those last three games was really ugly. The Spurs were really in control all game. And no matter what the Sixers did, uh, it, they just couldn't get stops. So the Spurs kept scoring, right? And the arena was so silent. 
And it was the second game in a row that I would hear the boos uh, by the Sixers home crowd, right? And it's only, it only been three games up to that point. Uh, but with every loss, obviously, the Doc Rivers seat gets hotter and hotter, right? Uh, with every loss, the Doc Rivers seat just gets hotter and hotter. And obviously, they beat the Pacers, which I didn't watch that game. I expected them to beat the Pacers. The Pacers are not going to be a good team, right? So, you know, so, but anyways, without getting into that Pacers game. So, the Sixers lost their first game, right? And people are saying, oh, it's the Celtics. It's a great team. It's at Boston. Chalk it up, right? Uh, but no Rob Williams, right? Obviously, that's the first regular season game without Ime Udoka. So, you know, you can take what you want with that. So Sixers lose to the Bucks at home, right? That's the next game. And obviously, what you hear is, oh, it's the Bucks. It's a tough early, early schedule, right? Embiid had a bad game, whatever it is, right? But no Chris Middleton. Drew Holiday had an awful game, and there was no Pat Connaughton either, right? Sixers lost to the Spurs, right? Obviously, after that, uh, who are tanking for Wembenyama and could be the worst team in the league. Uh, but they're young, and they can outrun the Sixers, and that's what's going to keep you in games against this guy. So I got to say this, right? You know the sadness that you see on the bench when a team is getting eliminated? There's, like, depression, and, like, you know, their hands are in their face. Uh, that's the look that I was seeing from a lot of players on the Sixers bench against the Spurs, right? The team doesn't look in sync. Uh, they just look disappointed. You know, it's early in the season and these guys already look down. I think after a loss like the Spurs, I was thinking to myself, wow, starting 0-3 and losing back-to-back -back at home, that's just going to put pressure on the next game and the next game and the next game until they win, right? Which obviously they did. Uh, they beat the, the the Pacers, so, you know. But I do have a question after watching these guys, right? Like, the issue has been on defense in general for the Sixers, right? Transition defense specifically, right, is a disaster. Guys just not going back. Embiid's not running back. Harden's not running back. And then on the other end, the offense is stagnant. There's a lot of ISO. It's it's either James Harden chucks it up and makes it or he misses or, or Embiid chucks it up and he misses. You know, it's just not looking good, right? So where is Matisse Thibel, right? The team desperately needs more effort on that side. And I know shooting is an issue. Spacing is an issue if he's out there. But the team needs defense because they need to erase mistakes, right? They're making a lot of mistakes. They're, they just have a lot of stagnant moments when they're running offense, right? Just It's just a lot of ISO. No one's moving the ball. People are standing around. It just doesn't look good, right? So if you're going to play like that, you might as well put Tyrese Maxey out there, right? So Doc Rivers somewhat... Um, address this, right? Uh, for us not seeing a lot of Matisse Thibel in the rotations. Basically, this is what the article says, right? It says, he'll get a chance to earn more minutes at some point for sure. But right now, Daniel House and DeAnthony Melton are in front of him. <laughs> We're going with a smaller rotation, but he'll have a chance to earn minutes at some point, right? Like, I don't, I don't know... I have no idea what, I mean, I know that Daniel House and DeAnthony Melton are like considered two-way players, right? But the bench has been terrible for the Sixers. So it's like, I know you want to keep giving these guys chances, but Matisse Thybul is probably the best defender on the team. If you're not count anyone outside of Embiid, I'm saying, like if you're not naming Embiid. Um, yeah, I think Tyrese or um, Matisse Thybul is probably the best, the next best defender on the team. Um, I know the shooting is a little bit of an issue. But I think that you need to have some something to fall back on.
because when you're not scoring on the other end because your offense looks terrible and you're not defending on the other end, that's how teams are keeping up. And that's how these games run longer than they have to, right? Um, you know, to, to basically to the last seconds because the games are close, so you still have your starters in, and it's just extra minutes for Embiid, it's extra minutes for Harden, and you don't want that so early in the season because it's a long season, right? So the Pacers love to run up and down, right? And as of as of then, right, um, you know, the Pacers ranked 11th in fast break points, right? The Sixers ranked 26th. So the Pacers have a ton of guard play, right? So I'm thinking to myself, you know, this could be another loss, for the for the Sixers, but obviously the Sixers ended up winning. Um, but yeah, that's just what that's just my thoughts. Just watching the Spurs over time, I just don't understand why the the clear issue is one is the stagnant offense, but the other one is they're just not defending, right? Um, obviously, I last night I watched Knicks Magic. Um, it was a super fun game. I watched obviously uh, supposedly according to the broadcast, Jalen Brunson holds the Knicks record for most assists without a turnover. It's the most since 1996, according to the broadcast team. And it was 16 assists with no turnovers. This is what Jalen Brunson brings to the Knicks, right? Just a natural guard um, that you can, as natural a guard as you can find, right? He's tough. He can score for himself. He can get other guys buckets. Uh, but the problem I'm seeing with the Knicks is the shooting, right? Like they have Evan Fournier, but if he's cold, he's literally just running laps because he doesn't defend either. So it's like, you know, I know you need Fournier out there because he's the best shooter you have, but it's really clunky, right? Like, you know, Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, Mitchell Robinson. These are three guys that don't, they're not going to knock down threes like that, right? Like they're not going to spread the floor for the Knicks. So, you know, and then Julius Randle goes left. RJ Barrett goes left. Jalen Brunson can go either way, but he prefers left. And it's just like you have all these guys that drive left. There's no space, right? There's like no, there's zero space for them. So I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I've been a Julius Randle fan since he was drafted by the Lakers and I defended him on every team he's been on, right? So far, uh, people said that he wouldn't be a good player, that he was a bust and, you know, whatever the hate talk was, but... I'm honestly surprised at his development because he at one point was just some like put my head down, brute force, I'm just going to attack the basket and turn the ball over or or score a really ugly basket, right? And now he has more polish, right, on offense, like just better footwork, he's more patient, he likes the mid-range fadeaways, he takes threes, he takes step-back threes, you know, just more ability in his game than when he came in. Uh, but it's crazy that he was drafted in 2014 and it's 2022. This is his third team. And I'm still thinking about the same thing, right? I'm always like, he's just not on the right team, right? Like the, how is this the third team he's been on? And it still doesn't feel like the right team. Like even after he had that breakout season with the Knicks a couple seasons ago, I still thought that the Knicks, just the, the type of, just the style, like who's around Randall, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense, right? Like maybe maybe I'm I'm crazy, but I think that Julius Randle would be best coming off the bench, right? I'm not saying for the Knicks. I'm saying maybe on another team, just like a lot of minutes coming off the bench, just focus on buckets, right? Because I feel like the Knicks need a lot from him just because he's starting. 
right? They want him to lock down. They want him to spread the floor. They want him to attack the basket. They want him to facilitate offense. Like, you know what I mean? Obviously, they have Jalen Brown to facilitate, but they also want uh, Julius Randle to make plays. And I feel like he'll probably be a better player with less responsibility. And then he can just focus on scoring and then just bring him off the bench. You know, that way you don't have to build so much around him because building around him is relatively simple. But when you think about it, you know, he's, He's 6'8", right? Which is too small to play the five, right? He's not going to protect the rim for you if he's at the five. And he's mainly focused on scoring. So he's not really going to defend like that, right? Um, and when he plays the four uh, alongside Mitchell Robinson, right? It gets really clunky, you know, like I said. And then you throw in streaky shooting R.J. Barrett. Just, you know, hasn't shot well at all. Almost refusing to shoot threes. I don't watch a lot of Knicks basketball, but I think the Knicks fans would agree. Like, I'm saying we need more Obi Toppin, right? Where is Obi Toppin? He does not play enough. You know, he's clearly a dude that pushes the tempo. He puts pressure on the opposing team's defense. Everyone knows he's a threat, right, in transition. Like, he just adds extra options for the Knicks to score, right? Whether it's from a full court outlet pass. Simple pick and roll, right? Dive to the basket, some alley-oops, some backdoor cuts. I just feel like things happen when he's out there. And for whatever reason, he's not out there enough, right? So that's my thoughts. I think that, you know, obviously we've heard that Julius Randle has been, like they've been trying to move him and see what they can get for him. I think that's the best bet, but I'm also not the biggest RJ Barrett fan. You know, I just, I don't know. I just don't, you know, he doesn't, He's not really like hyper athletic. He's not super quick. He can't really shoot. I don't know. You know, I don't know what the like he still can score, but I don't know. I just don't I don't like the player right now, you know. He has a lot of room to grow, but as of right now, I wouldn't consider him untouchable either. I would see what what I can get for him if I was the Knicks, but obviously they can't just blow it up cuz they just got Jalen Brunson, you know, and, and obviously uh, Tom Thibodeau wants to win games. But anyways, watching the Magic, um, obviously it was uh, Paolo Bancaro's uh, first NBA game at Madison Square Garden. So it was really hype. He actually played pretty well. Um, you know, Cole Anthony was and still is my favorite Orlando Magic player. Right. And that's crazy considering Paolo's on the team and Franz Wagner's on the team. Um, there's still a lot of time left, you know, on Jalen Suggs, Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony. So I'm not jumping to conclusions because obviously these guys are young. But I do think the next position that the Magic need to look for is the guard slot, right? Like, I have the same vibes watching Cole, Markel, and Jalen Suggs. Like, obviously Suggs is still super young, right? Uh, but I've never really been a big fan of Jalen Suggs. And these three guys give me, like, Lou Will vibes, right? Lou Williams vibes. Like, And I don't mean legendary six-man bucket getter, right? I'm just talking about the role, right? Like, just come off the bench, score some points. We don't need you to do anything else. You know, don't play outside of yourself. Just just get buckets, right? Like, I think that is where I see Jalen Suggs, even though, it's, even though he's literally super young, right? And this is Cole Anthony's third year, so, you know, still a lot to see, but I just don't like seeing undersized guards, um, struggle against length and height 
and they're streaky shooters and they don't defend and the Magic have to hide him on defense. You know, so it's 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 weird, you know, it's weird. I feel like they maybe just have Cole Anthony starting or Jalen Suggs because obviously, you know, it's pretty thin when it comes to that. You know, it's just one of those things, you know, that's that's what I see so far, right? Like Cole Anthony, he's an okay playmaker. He's an okay shooter. And teams have to hide him on defense. So it's like, there's just not a lot to bank on, right? As a starting guard, right? And he makes passes in midair, like way too much. You know, he, he'll he try to go for a shot and then he'll try to pass out of the shot. He does that a ton, you know? And that leads to turnovers. It leads to throwing the ball away. You know, maybe some crazy shot clock shots because he changes his mind at the last second. I don't know, things like that, right? And then we have this dude, right? Bull Bull. He just, I, oh my, like I don't, he is ridiculously tall and he's running up and down. He's keeping up with the guards. He's Euro stepping and scoring against the contact with Julius Randle and a couple other times. You know, he can reasonably space the floor, right? He can kind of shoot threes. He caught some awesome lobs. He threw some putback dunks. He's blocking shots. He's moving quick. He, man, like he is crazy good, right? And he's on the right team because this is a team that's just going to experiment and throw guys out there. Um, you know, I watched, um, I watched the, the Hawks and the Hornets game, right, over the weekend. And I was also thinking to myself, this Hawks team, you know, they're coming out of, out of a season, right? Last season was awful. It was COVID. It was injuries. It was this. It was that. Um, so this year you think, okay, you know, they're going to be out with a chip on their shoulder. They want to win games. They don't want to mess around. The Hawks lose to the Hornets, right? And the Hawks are at home, right? There's no Terry Rozier because of an ankle injury. There's no LaMelo Ball, obviously, because of an injury. And then there's obviously no Miles Bridges. So this is a game that they can't lose, right? The Hawks cannot afford to lose this game because teams have gotten better, right? So you have to win the games you're supposed to, especially when everyone's projecting it to be a tight playoff race, right? In both conferences. So you can say it's just a bad game. Uh, you know, the Hornets played with house money since they're not expected to win, but it's a disaster loss for the Hawks, you know? Um, losses like these are going to be looked at towards the middle of the season when the race gets tighter and some teams fall out of contention. These are games that are going to be circled. Uh, I'm sorry. These are games that they have to, that have to be circled by the Hawks, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, every single game should be circled by the Hawks just because of the type of season they came out of last year, you know? Um, and you know, talking about, oh, you know, guys wrote us off and this and that. And Trey Young is talking a big game saying that that guys forgot about the Hawks and you know, whatever it is. So they show up and they shoot 42% from the field, 23% from three. And then they also weren't defending. They got nothing out of their bench. They didn't defend. They couldn't shoot. You know, it's a disaster that it should still be fine. You know, against a team like the Hornets, like if you're shooting that bad, if you're defending that bad, you should still beat the Hornets. That's how bad the Hornets are going to be, you know, and are, um, you know, they just don't project to be a good team, right? So, but the Hornets obviously have some guys that can get buckets and, you know, I, I don't know. It's, 
I, I honestly, I don't know what to say. You know, I'm really high on the Hawks. Obviously, you know where I stand. I think they're going to have a big season. I think it's going to be a nice bounce back year from last year. Um, maybe some people don't think that about the Hawks. Maybe people think the Hawks are the same team that are just not going to defend anyone and they're just going to go cold and that's how they're going to lose games. But, you know, it's um, that was definitely something I was in disbelief about, right? So a little bit of Hawks Hornets, a little bit of Knicks Magic, uh, Sixers Spurs. Obviously, the Lakers lose to the Portland Trailblazers. It was awful, um, but expected. You know, you get a really potent offense from the backcourt, you know, Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons. It's just, you know, and a team focused on defense as well, but they can also score. You know, I've been wrong so far about the Portland Trailblazers. You know, me, I'm, I was hating on uh, Chauncey Billups for a while. I still am. I'm not going to give in, right? It's still, it's literally been, what, four games for the Trailblazers. They're number one in the West right now. They're the only undefeated team in the West. Um, the Bucks are the other undefeated team, obviously, in the East. But, you know, the Trailblazers will come back to earth. They're off to a hot start. That's the way you want to start a season, though, because you want to be able to have some cushion as the season goes on. If guys get hurt, if guys get sick, whatever the case is, you have some games that you can give up because you won a lot early. So this is a good sign for the Trailblazers. Obviously, um, I kind of, I somewhat watched Grizzlies uh, Nets, right? Uh, last night, it was an exciting game. It was a high scoring game. You know, but, you know, Ben Simmons fouls out and people are bashing Ben Simmons. And I'm thinking, guys, you know, he's been out for a long time. Uh, it's going to take some time to get used to, you know, and you're guarding a team that likes to run up and down the floor. They're very, you know, John Morant's obviously super athletic. It's a high pace game and it's a playoff energy type game because it's just, you know, you you're playing the Memphis Grizzlies. These guys are coming for wins, right? And I've been wrong so far. Uh, but it's, you know, it's only been four games. You know, like I said, I was a little down on the Grizzlies because I think that without Jaron Jackson Jr. coming out of a overachieving season, right, maybe they kind of take a couple steps back on the win-loss column, right? That's just my prediction. I still think that's going to happen. You know, I know you guys see the Spurs at 3-1, and one, the Jazz at 3-1, and one, and you're thinking, mm, you know, Vic, you said these teams were going to be terrible. They are going to be terrible. They actually are terrible. Uh, they're just in shape and they're, you know, they, they get early wins, but it, they're going to come back to earth. Okay. Now, and I'm going to keep banking on that. You know, this, these young teams, they do this every year. And I said that on the last pod, they show up, they're in better shape than the veteran teams. They get some early wins. They're above 500. They look good. And then they come back to earth and they slip down to the standings so they can, uh, get a good pick spot for Victor Wembanyama. You know, so, uh, but yeah, those are the couple of games that I watched. Um, you know, I'm going to continue to be skimming, you know, kind of watch a couple of other teams throughout the week. So I'll be switching up the teams. I don't want to keep talking about the same teams because I do want to go around the league and, you know, kind of see what teams are looking like as I watch them throughout the week. So what I think I'm going to start doing is picking like maybe two to three teams, watch those for the week, do some breakdown like I did on these. And then, uh, yeah, swap it up and keep that rotation going and then include some other things. You know, maybe my uh, my thoughts on some pods. There's been a lot of podcasts uh, that I really enjoy. They've been dropping a lot of episodes. I've been catching up on those. 
I could do some reactions for that. I could play some clips from their audio clips from their pods. Um, so you guys can kind of get a good idea of what it is that's going on around the league in terms of the player media, right? The new media, uh, their podcast channel. But yeah, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.